You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material. And before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at Commonwealth Bank and today I'm joined by our Head of International Economics, Joseph Caperso. Joe, good to have you on. Great to be back, Belinda. I think the last time we had a chat was about how the Delta variant and vaccinations were going. Uh, but today we're going to change topic and talk about uh, several issues that are impacting the US economy. And I think that's much more in focus at the moment as the US Federal Reserve starts to contemplate winding back its bond purchase program, which we'll touch on shortly. But firstly, we're going to talk about two different puzzles in the US economy, and that's to do with wages, growth and inflation. So just starting off with wages growth, there seems to be a bit of debate depending on what measure of wages you're looking at in the US economy about whether or not we're seeing a pickup in wages growth. What has your research uncovered? So the average hourly earnings uh, measure that uh, comes with the monthly uh, US non-farm payrolls report is the main indicator of wages in the US. Uh, However, the pandemic has distorted a lot of economic indicators, Mm -hmm. including this average hourly earnings. So, for example, uh, average hourly earnings growth just before the pandemic were going at about 3% annual rate. And then as uh, low-wage employment collapsed with the pandemic, the average earnings surged by 7% Mm -hmm. annual rate. So we certainly know that uh, wages don't pick up uh, like that uh, during a recession. So we've dug deep. Uh, into uh, trying to understand the distortions there. And uh, we we think that uh, you've got to put the average hourly earnings estimates uh, to one side and focus on another measure called the Employment Cost Index. That index is not distorted by changes in the composition of employment and uh, has the added benefit of including non-wage labour costs such as holidays, uh, sick leave, insurance, uh, retirement plans and the like. So if you look at that measure, I know this has been one of the preferred measures from the Federal Reserve going back, I would say, at least a decade as they've been trying to, to look at how labour market slack has, I guess, explained trends in employment costs. What is that measure showing at the moment and what are some other measures that we can help to help solve whether or not the US labour market is improving or not and how that may flow through into wages growth? So the employment cost index has actually grown at quite a uh, decent rate in the first six months of this year. On average, uh, employment costs have increased by 0.8% per quarter in the first six months of the year. And the the really interesting thing about the US employment cost index is that it barely showed any deceleration at all during the depth of the recession in 2020. And now it's starting to accelerate. So for for us, uh, this is one indicator that uh, the US labour market might be tighter than what uh, many analysts think. 
It's also interesting that you've talked about uh, other indicators that we can look at, including a job turnover. So how many people are quitting their job, how many new jobs are opening. And that's also been a preferred measure of the Federal Reserve for quite some time. What happens when you kind of incorporate those sorts of figures into and you've created a CBA employment cost equation here. So how does all that information together help form the view about whether or not we're going to see a pickup in wages growth? So what, what we did is we dug uh, deeper into some other um, US wage indicators. So uh, one of the regional uh, federal uh, banks in the US uh, actually tracks wages of people that switch jobs and the wages of people that remain in their current job. And what they've found is that uh, over the long haul, people that switch jobs are able to secure a uh, pay rise. Mm. So there's a systematically higher uh, wage growth for people that switch jobs compared to the people that stay in their current jobs. So that uh, piece of evidence led us to uh, test the idea whether um, the rate of people quitting their current jobs would lead to a pickup in wages in the US. Mm. And uh, what we've found is that the so-called quit rate, which is between two and a half and three percent of the labor force per month, uh, is at a record high. It's really uh, zoomed up since the uh, US economy started recovering uh, about a year ago. So we uh, plugged that quit rate into our our, um, employment uh, cost equation uh, to see whether it was a uh, important variable that explains uh, employment costs. We also put in the unemployment rate, of course, uh, the old uh, so-called Phillips curve. curve. <laughs> That's right, bringing back memories yep. in university days. Of course. And uh, we've also put in expectations of inflation. Mm. And the idea there is that if you expect inflation to pick up, then as an employee, you're going to demand a larger wage increase and as an employer, you're going to be more accepting of those larger wage demands. And we found all of these variables were very important for explaining the employment cost index in the United States. So it sounds uh, like there is some upward pressure coming through on the wages side based on all that? That's right. All three of these indicators are moving in the direction of higher uh, or pickup in employment costs. So the unemployment rate is falling. Inflation expectations have really uh, started to climb uh, quite quite a bit in the in the past uh, year or so. And of course, as I mentioned, the quit rate is at a record mm. high level. So all of those three indicators are telling us that employment costs are likely to keep accelerating. Now, so that's the, way, that's the wages growth side. There's also been a lot of debate in the US about whether or not the pickup in inflation that's occurring is temporary or because of reopening frictions in the US economy or whether or not there's signs that it's actually more broad-based and could be permanent. You've looked at that as well and that's obviously also important when we talk about the outlook for the US Federal Reserve. What is happening in inflation and particularly what data should we be watching in terms of the various different inflation series out there? Yeah, that's probably the most pertinent question, actually. Um, One advantage, Belinda, that we have as Australia-based economists is uh, for more than a decade now, we've Mm. been analysing what uh, in Australia we 
we call underlying inflation, uh, in particular the trim mean yes, and yes. weighted median uh, inflation measures. Now, in the US, uh, it's not really a, um, an inflation measure that gets a lot of attention, uh, but I think that these two measures are tailor-made uh, for current circumstances because currently in the US, the big swings in inflation up and, and uh, now uh, down mm. is very narrowly based. Right. You could, you could count most of the inflation in the US uh, with, uh, with one hand. So it's things like used car prices, uh, petrol prices, Mm. Uh, car rental prices, uh, accommodation prices. They've had huge swings right. in their prices that have affected overall inflation. But as the Australia-based economists know, um, the trim mean and the weighted median are tailor-made to strip out mm. all of these large swings in prices. And when we just focus on these uh, trim mean and weighted median inflation measures, we find that US underlying inflation is very high, over 4% annualised in the last couple of months. And that is not the the message that you get uh, from, say, the traditional US core inflation measures, which uh, peaked a little while ago and coming back down quite rapidly. So our conclusion is that the US actually does have quite strong inflation pressures building, and as we just mentioned a, a few minutes ago, um, U.S. employment costs mm. are uh, picking up ahead of steam as well. So that's a nice segue into the U.S. Federal Reserve a meeting, which was held uh, our time early this morning. So I know yourself and a lot of your team were up very early this morning uh, deciphering the news. And there was obviously a lot to unpack from the FOMC meeting today. It seems they are making some steps to think about tapering their asset purchase program. What was the main takeout from the Fed? I think you could call um, today's Fed meeting uh, the announcement that you have when you don't do an announcement. (laughs) Because they more or less told you we're we're going to announce a tapering of our asset purchases at our next meeting, which is in November. So it was a pre-announcement. It's a pre-announcement. So they didn't want to rattle the market. That's right, and the market reacted um, quite well. I think there, were, I mean, the US dollar's a little bit stronger. There, there was a little bit of movement in equity and bond markets, but I think the uh, the Fed can pat themselves on the back and, and say that uh, the market understands what's going to happen, and they're not too concerned about it. So, asset uh, purchase tapering, uh, we we would say is going to be announced in November, probably implemented uh, in December, just to give the market just that little bit of extra notice. Right. Uh, just to prepare their systems and the like. Uh, but probably the new piece of information that, that came out of, uh, of the uh, meeting today was that because the Fed's getting more confident about the US economy, particularly as vaccination rates uh, climb in the US, uh, they're, it's, they're indicating that they will take their asset purchases at a faster mm-hmm. rate than what we originally thought. So our original expectation was they would taper at a rate of $10 billion a month, but it's looking like they're going to go for a $15 billion per month taper so that they will end their taper in the, in the middle of next year. So does that bring the possibility of rate hikes further forward because they do finish in that tapering earlier than what we had expected? 
Yes, it, it does because because the the Fed have said that they want to finish tapering their asset purchases before they start a rate hike cycle. So um, given that we've brought forward when we think they will finish tapering asset purchases, we've also brought forward when we think they will start increasing the funds rate. So previously we thought they would start in March 2023. Mm. Now we expect them to start hiking in December 2022. And And if I remember correctly, Linda, that's uh, before or we expect the, the Reserve Bank of Australia to start liking. You took the words right out of my mouth then, Joe. So we now have the Fed going earlier than the RBA. Uh, so certainly what we are seeing is a number of central banks start to think about lifting interest rates. We have the RBNZ most likely the first cab off the rank. And yeah, in October. In October. And then uh, looks like most of them will have to wait till later in 2022 or into 2022. 2023, but it's certainly getting a lot more interesting in the central bank space at the moment with a number of central banks starting to taper their asset purchase program and rate hikes on the agenda. Joe, it's been great to catch up on, I guess, a variety of different topics, but all leading us to the same place, which is changes uh, to the US Federal Reserve. Appreciate your time today. Thanks a lot, Belinda. Now, you can read Joe's reports on wages uh, and that was published on the 22nd of September. The note on inflation pressures uh, which was published on the 15th of September and then also the note containing the changes in the US FOMC view which was published on the 23rd of September by Kim Mundy and Joseph Caperso on combankresearch.com.au.